Hi, friend. Welcome back. It's April. This is usually the month I'd be heading to Radical Fairyland for the Beltane festivities with a few hundred other queers for seven days of camping and community and connection. But we're not quite there yet with this pandemic. We're back in D.C. this week with my guest, Matthew. Matthew and I met around 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Matthew has been building community through dance, pairing dancers of various artistic and life experience in creating new work. One memory of Matthew is dancing in the former Uline Arena in Washington, D.C. For video content, we created with episode two's Ben. I have a couple of pics I'll post on IG at I Miss You Podcast. In this episode, we dive in on what's been coming up for us with our bodies and navigating pandemic configurations, checking in on loved ones, tuning into creativity, and the DC scene in general. I bring up my love letter to the film Nomadland, which did me in, <laughs> and the Instagram account Hidden Scotland. Oh, a daily dose of magic in photo. This makes me wonder, what creativity have you been up to for the past year? Have you been doing anything new or maybe tapping into something you've been curious about but never tried before? Drop a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or via email at imissyoupodcast at gmail.com. Now for my conversation with Matthew. Hi, you sound so professional. I sound professional? That mic is amazing. Oh, is it giving you all the warm fantasies that you desire? It is, girl. I'm like, okay, <laughs> tell, this I'm this is my 1-800 call um Hi. that I I I yeah, Hi. into it. Hi. Yeah, just keep talking like that. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I love the setup. Yeah, it's nice and cozy. Mm. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm just very much running from place to place these days. So um, also trying mm -hmm. to... Yeah, like drop in, like notice what's happening in my body and then drop into my body and be present. So I'm good. The weather's beautiful and I'm healthy and I've got lots to do, so I can't complain. Ooh, and the image just clicked. So now everything, first it was a little fuzzy at first, but now everything just like oh. righted itself and it looks glorious there. Oh. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I hear you on the running from place to place thing, though, but I'm not being pulled necessarily from place to place. I'm just running from place to place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I don't know. I tend less to forget that I have a body these days because I have more aches and pains <laughs> than I've used to than I used to in the past. So I'm like, oh yeah, I got a body. Woo! What's my back doing? <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I've for like it's been maybe a week and a half solid now where this whole like trapezius down into like mm. the supraspinatus extensor muscles, like 
this whole right side has just been on I was going to say on fire. Mm-hmm. It feels more like cement. Like the whole thing just seizes and then it just stays like that until I have these um these little balls um from the melt method that I like roll around on and it's the only thing that is keeping this functional in any sort of way. So I hear you on the aches and pains. It's mm-hmm. aging is a bitch. Yeah. Um yeah. And especially when you are like yourself, a dancer, and you need to use your body for extended periods of time. Um, well, and especially, I, yes, and for all of us, like having to live this entire last year in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do think it wasn't until this morning when my partner and I were, hi, Lucas, we're talking. Um, I made the connection that I think because of how much my right hand is my dominant hand, how much I'm like doing on my computer. I think that's also part of the reason why this is the way it is because these muscles here are all tightening up because I don't have any other reason to like open them up. Yeah. So the pandemic is doing more than destroying our lives. It's also destroying our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I have I know that um I have to be very mindful about stretching after working out now. Like there's no how I went for so long with without stretching after running 5 miles outside on the cement, after after bouldering for an hour, after like doing the kettlebells for an hour Mm -hmm. how i used to be able to just not stretch just leave the gym like oh uh, that's done girl everything's fine and go home and like my body would just bounce back now i have to do yin yoga almost like at the gym before i leave or it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. there's no way around it if i don't do that i will not be moving in the morning the next day (laughs) amen Amen. I know that feeling. When I was trying to think when you were saying about, um, you know, getting that sort of like raw, raw, rawness in your right side from being in that position, typing, I guess, on your laptop. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think too. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if any of that from my on up in like my right shoulder (laughs) is is from being on the computer but i'm actually i'm not typing as much mm. yeah but i do get i mean i get late sitting just sitting in like an upright posture for extended periods of time for class you know for six hours of zoom yeah that is no way to experience the world for <laughs> curriculum no oh no you're correct especially (laughs) when you're especially when you're in school for somatic psychotherapy and every you're you're in a relationship in a in a profession that's geared that centers the body in the therapeutic process and yet over the past year everything has been you know between a between a rock and a screen (laughs) yeah you know mediated between this this platform and you know i mean it's interesting i think early on in the pandemic like many of us i think i probably felt more curious about like oh well how do we do dance now what is what is this embodied practice now that we have Mm -hmm. this experience 
And now that we're a year in, I'm like, I don't give any fucks. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I'm going to do it because it pays a bill. But <gasps> yeah. But this is also destroying my body. And this is not how we're meant to do this. So I know, you know, we were all just these bright young fairies <laughs> at the start of the pandemic flitting around with these curious eyes. Ooh, I'm going to have to make adaptations. I see something. I'm going to have to do something different here. You know, and now we're all like, bitch. Bitch, <laughs> I'm retiring. Mm-mm. I'm sitting this. I'm sitting this one out. <laughs> right. I mean, this is certainly a romantic view, and I'm 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 oversimplifying so many things. But the number of times, especially since the weather has gotten a little bit better here in DC, the number of times I've looked at like people just walking around the sidewalk, and it, often oftentimes the question comes up: like, I wonder what they do for a living or not that allows them to you know, have this kind of time to just meander. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I look at them now and I'm like, no, really, can you tell me what you do to sustain yourself? Because that is what I want to do now. Like, I only want to do that. Mm-hmm. Fuck everything else I've done. I know that I've been engaging with with what you're saying in terms of like, well, you know, why are you not in a cubicle? Or why are you not mm. in a building from nine to five? I've been engaging it in terms of the traffic on the highway. Um, and it's, there's more, there's definitely a lot more now than there was, you know, I remember when it was, it was like night of the comet, that old zombie movie where no one's out in the streets to begin off, but like you could walk down the middle of the highway, like, you know, but now you can't do it anymore. anymore. There's traffic Mm -mm. back. Um, Mm -mm. but you know, it's, it, we're still in it, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we're still in it. I just heard this thing on, on the, maybe it was on CP. (laughs) So CPR is just Colorado NPR, but I laugh every time I say CP, CPA, CPR because it sounds like resuscitation. But, um, you know, there was, there was something on there this morning where someone said, I forgot, I forgot what exactly, if they were an epidemiologist or what, but they said, don't get comfy. We're in a lull, but the shit's going to come back again because we're in waves. Right. Um, I just got vaccinated today. Congratulations. Yeah. Doing, doing Is this number one or number two? Number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. But it's funny because I, yeah, just doing, doing, doing my part, but yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't feel any differently towards the pandemic. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing though, right? Like even if you do get vaccinated, not even if, when you do get vaccinated, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are now like getting the viruses off the table. You can still contract it. It's just not going to be as difficult for you. And you can, more importantly, you can still transmit it. Like you can still be a carrier and, 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 and pass it on to other people. And if they don't have the vaccine, then that could be, mm-hmm. that could be dangerous. So yeah, I think there's, there's certainly, a kind of bravada, I feel, because there are vaccinations now available for some, and part of me wonders if people have all the information, or if they just don't care. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also get it, like, we're, we're over it. There's a certain kind of, of, not even a certain kind, there's a lot of, of desire and nostalgia for, like, what was pre-pandemic, so I, I understand that. Um, and at the same time, 
like you're saying, you know, we can't, we can't let this fool us. We, we still have a bit of a ways to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we have, um, the clinic that I'm working with has mm-hmm. no plans to go away from telehealth until maybe fall. We'll still yeah. be, we'll still be telehealthing all through the and summer, you, maybe fall. Yeah. What are you doing with the clinic? Um, so I, I did a practicum, which is sort of our first stint as students, which is kind of an introduction. Um, and for practicum, I was facilitating a queer and trans teen group and it was mm-hmm. virtual. So I started, I started in the pandemic. So I did it completely virtual, like my time there was Amazing. all virtual. And then, um, for moving on to next phase, next phase is basically where I am a therapist under supervision. Gotcha. Yeah. So the whole third year you spend being a therapist under right, supervision, right, right. and then you work towards a master's paper like you would any in any other master's program. Very cool. I love how... You know, I mean, I, I, I've only been through one master's program and it was in the arts, so I can't draw an exact parallel, but I love how kind of applicable work and relationship building is such a part of the curriculum in a way that it takes you out of the studio, out of the classroom and actually into like a setting in, in quote unquote real life, like in the community. I think that that's, that's something that, you know, when I think about MFAs and I know you've had an MFA experience Mm -hmm. too. Part of my, I guess an opinion I have about that is, is that so often it feels really isolating. You know, there's this, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of programs are, are built on the, the kind of artist is genius myth mythology. And so like, you have to like tuck yourself in a little studio and not really do much outside of that and just Mm. make your art. And that's the way to make it. And I, I, I see value in that to a degree, but then I also feel like at a certain point, I also would have loved some reason to bring my art outside of the studio and like really do some of that re- really like meaningful relationship building that it sounds like mm-hmm. you get to do through through your work with the clinic. That's great. Yeah, I hear what you're saying too. Um, it feels, yeah, things feel a little bit more reflexive now than what they did when I was in an MFA program, but it was very much built around well, we did sort of, we worked together as a cohort through um, various exercises, assignments and such. But when it all came down to our final project, those were very, they're very much singular things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because I, I actually came off of a very collaborative thing, which was with Force Collision. Right. Um, and going back and working singularly was like kind of a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like self because I know at least in that time, I feel a little bit differently about it now because I've also been, I've been doing a deep dive into my own creative process again, but it just Mm. feels a hell of a lot different than what it used to feel like. But you, but you, 
but used to feel like was back when I was a different person where I felt like I was doing a lot more comparing myself to other people, comparing my work and what I'm doing to other people's, comparing myself to the paradigm of what the successful artist is made of Mm -hmm. and what it means Mm -hmm. to be successful. We're in a pandemic. I've started on a new creative process. I could give a fuck around around what other people think when I'm working in my own apartment and shooting little Instagram videos and shit, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's taken on a different life. I know, I know I've told you this about your art making. I know I told you this the last time we spoke, but I want to reiterate again, the videos that you're making and this, the, the kind of like soundscapes that you're making within the landscapes that you're in are just striking. Thank and you. also the clothing you're wearing is like, girl, I want all of those gowns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good frock? I feel like you could forgive a lot of things as long as you're wearing a decent frock. I think so too. <laughs> like put that shit on and go stand in the gorgeous mountains in Colorado or stand on the beach in P-Town. I Done. know. I, I, a gorgeous frock in the elements. I mean, what more do you need? I just to stand there and stare at you. Mm. <laughs> So mm. I so since you brought up well since we brought up collaboration and art making I want to actually this is something I've been thinking about today before we were before we started chatting was um I know part of a big part of the you're still with Dance Exchange right I am not Okay you're not Well but me, that doesn't mean that I'm I have not. I left Dance Exchange in the fall of 2019, which is interestingly, you know, like I'm gonna go do my own thing. I'm gonna be an independent mm-hmm. artist again. And then six months later, the pandemic hit. So you know, timing maybe not the best. Right. But the, all of that to say, also, so much of the work I do, I I feel really builds on my experiences at Dance Exchange. So I don't know where you were going with your question or your or your notion or thought, but um, whatever it is. I imagine it still holds a lot of weight and value because so much of what I did with the organization, I think, is a real integral part of what I do now still. Yeah, well, I was where I was going was, um, so part of your work at Dance Exchange was to make dances with the community. And I, and I believe that the community members that you involved in the dance making and in the dances themselves were of sort of like, very varying experience so they're probably dancers and non-dancers so then okay and then i know that you are also making um sort of queer and lgbt lgbtq centered work um also using i believe people of varying ages experiences so so what i'm what i'm getting at is i am i was wondering how you were able to sort of shape that type of work and if mm. you've still been doing it because i imagine that um some of the people you were working with are deeply missing getting together and dancing yeah yeah it's it's certainly different now um I will say, yeah, so a lot of the work that I, I still feel really committed to is centering queer folks and queer stories and experiences. And um, I take a really expansive like definition of, of 
queer, I, and, I, and I'm intentional about that word instead of LGBTQ, because I think LGBTQ plus is often really closely associated with like sexual identity and sexual practice and desire. And that's a part of it for me. But I also think that queerness can extend to like one's political orientations, one's like social orientations, like people who I think want to abolish the police have a certain kind of queer perspective in our society. And so for me, I'm interested in that that really kind of wide interpretation. Um, so yeah, so a lot of the work I do still really, really, really centers those folks and their experiences and stories. And again, I think one of the things that I feel is such an important part of my work is the fact that it is is intergenerational. And that's for me because, you know, as, as a person coming to understand themselves in this world, um, who, uh, who does identify as like a gay man and also as a queer person, um, there was so much about queer history that I did not know until like in my 30s. And what a, you know, the more I think about it, the more it frustrates me and the more it saddens me that like there was a whole 30-year period of time where I wasn't told about the people or the stories or the places or the things that have like really significantly shaped my experience moving through the world and living in this country. Um, so for me, kind of the intergenerational nature of the work is, is key because it allows for those kinds of conversations and reflections to like do a looking back that helps us understand where we are, contextualizes where we are, and I think it opens up new possibilities for like how we might think about moving forward. Um, there's a few projects I could talk about, but you know, without diving too deep into them, yeah, I would say the transition away from dance exchange because you know this work started outside of mm -hmm. my time at dance exchange, but certainly while I was with the organization. And so when I left the organization, my work came with me. But not not necessarily all of my collaborators did, and so mm -hmm. I think that transition is one was one like first phase of acknowledging okay the work has to look differently now because of who is or is not in the work, um, and then you know immediately following that transition almost mm -hmm. the pandemic started, and then that was a real kick in the ass to figure out how to keep doing stuff, and and you know one of the one of the works that I've been kind of fortunate enough to continue to, to facilitate in this last year, I, I received some funding from the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities going into the pandemic. This was like pre-pandemic, you know, the fall timeline. You got it. Yay. Mm -hmm. Spring happens. The money drops. And um. then it's like, oh, by the way, everything's closed. And so what I what I would was able to do with that funding really had to 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 shift and change because of the conditions and but did um, they not extend did not they didn't didn't they make like special extensions and things they did yeah they extended the the kind of funding period by six months which was really helpful for us because right. you know like i mean and i'm sure it was helpful for lots of folks but i can't speak to that i can say for me it was really helpful and for my collaborators because when the funding actually hit my bank account and was, you know, like now we can actually pay people and make this thing happen. And also it, that that happened at the same time that uh, the quarantine orders came out. Um, and so it was shortly after that, that the DC commission, I think shifted 
made those necessary shifts to extend the timeline and like allow people to 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 think about how the work needed to happen. And and that that was like really crucial mm-hmm. for me because it gave us time to like kind of ground ourselves and center ourselves and then look at okay, well what can we do? Um knowing that an important part of this project was the intergenerational nature of it, but also like knowing that in the pandemic, older adults are often more at risk mm-hmm. than other people in our population. And so we ended up having to like really scale down. Um, and we were able to still work with like a fantastic team of people. Many of them, we had to do a lot of like remote rehearsal, like here's some instructions, here's some videos to watch and like go away and do something and film it mm-hmm. and come back. Um, but there was, there's one collaborator of mine that, that has been a part of this process for the entire five or six years I've been doing this kind of work. Is that Andy? It's Andy. He turned yeah. 80 in August. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering what happened to Andy. Um, yeah. He's still around. And, and that's, and so like yeah. with Andy, you know, my partner and I made some really um, early on, we made some decisions about how we wanted to bubble or not bubble or, or just, you know, like be mindful of, exposure because we also wanted to make sure that we could continue to see Andy if and when he needed, you know, he's, um, he lives alone, mm-hmm. which he prefers in this artist housing in Mount Rainier, which is great, but, um, he doesn't have a car. So his, his like, um, access to parts of town is either dependent on people or in mm-hmm. his life or on Metro access. So we've been a source, a a, a, a kind of way to get him to and from different hospital visits that he's needed to go so take you're, care of at this time. Like you're his family. Exactly. Does I mean, have, we talk about that a lot. Does he have yeah. family other than you nearby? He has, a, he has a couple of sisters that are slightly younger than he is that live in New York, but they haven't seen each other in years. So, I, you know, uh, I, I think when we talk about queer kinship and queer family, like Andy is living that and and it's it's been a real treat to be a part of that with mm-hmm. him um and so yeah he's we've been able to like collaborate with him still and go film him and do some work with him um there's lots of conversations that have to happen before we go like quarantining beforehand we try to get covid tested mm-hmm. cuz dc does a great job of free covid testing we with andy it's also like a daily thing like hey how are you feeling today is today a good day to come are you not you're not comfortable great we won't come today that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. It's it's been really. We've had to really slow down, um, which I think was for lots of reasons great early on. Um, and it's and it's been only recently that I I've, I felt the pressure, like we were talking about when we started the mm-hmm. call. It's only been recently I felt the pressure to really rev that engine and move with a lot of speed in a way that I'm. I. I need a break. I need at least a yeah. few days where I can slow down. <laughs> well, do you find that I know that you're always like moving and grooving and doing things. So have you found that since the pandemic started, you've been particularly more speedy, particularly like more I need to do do do? <laughs> March and April at the beginning of the pandemic? No. Actually, um, you know, that was a time where a lot of gigs fell away. Yeah. And a and a kind of like existential crisis happened for just a moment. Um, you know, like, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to make some money? What are we going to do? Alongside that, 
girl, I was like, I started a garden. I started playing video games again. Mm-hmm. I like really had a chance to enjoy the more enjoy a slower speed and do like the kind of visioning and looking ahead that, that excites me. Um, so yeah. So at the beginning of this, I didn't feel that, um, I would say starting probably starting September. So I would say like in between March and September, a few really nice, either some gigs that I I had had before the the quarantine started, they moved to online. And so I was able to like sustain myself in that way a little Mm -hmm. bit, or some really fortunate things kind of landed in my lap, like doing some work, arts integration work with PG County, all virtual. That's Mm -hmm. been a a really great lifeline, um, both artistically and financially. So, so there were things that were happening, but not, not like, you know, on top of one another, in the summer months, but then, you know, like September come came around and I would say that's where the turn for me started to happen. And yeah, since, since October, basically, I mean, it has been, it has been go, 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 go. And then go, 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 go. And are these things that you're doing to survive, like to bring in money or are these things that, or is it, or is it coming out of like, you just feel that you could do something else. So you do something else or you want to do something. Maybe I could do one more thing. I think it's both. Okay. <laughs> both end. I, yeah. I think there's certainly things that are like, you know, the thing, the, the opportunity comes up and I don't feel the capacity to say no because of the fact that it's bringing money into the bank account. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are things, there are lots of things coming up that are just really exciting opportunities and I want to do them. I think honestly this week, this week and last week is so interesting. We're having this conversation right now because it's, it's really been within the last two weeks where I've, I've started things have, things have kind of come into my inbox and I'm, I'm actually giving, I'm making myself take like at least a couple days before I respond because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at a place where I'm both able to and need to be saying no to certain opportunities, both for my health and also to like make way for the opportunities that I want to have come up. I think that's a good practice. You know, I have actually trained myself to put a little bit of time between my responses slash reactions to things (laughs) because... I have a tendency to react. <laughs> I need to learn from you. I need, I need, I need to work on the reaction bit. I need to work. Yeah, that's my part that I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How have how has like scheduling been artistically, financially, emotionally, socially? Any of that? How has that been for you? It's been like a whack a mole. <laughs> like I feel like there's it's it's not like it's not one thing. Mm. Um so something could be going really good in in one area and something could be a little shitty in another area and and even that doesn't mean that that's very very good and that's very very shitty. It could be almost meeting in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and and things like I feel like a things feelings for me also come and go pretty quickly like 
Last week, I got really... Oh, I was thinking about my birthday because my birthday's coming up in two weeks. And I thought about how last year, on March 14th, I had a party. And then the next day, it was like, oh, we're all in lockdown now. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was kind of... I was a little bit down on myself because I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess I'm not going to spend any time with anybody for my birthday. So I started getting a little bit sad about that. And then I kind of got out of that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's been up and down. Um, I felt really good about creative things, but then I get very fussy with some things that are happening at school. And then like, I feel okay with school things. <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just it's a little bit like, it is like a seesaw. Yeah. yeah. Are there... Are there people that you're able to see in person? You know, I know the word pod is being thrown around a lot and I'm a little resistant to like catchy language sometimes, but yeah. Do you have a pod? Are there people you're seeing or, or is it all virtual? Um, I mean, my dog is in my pod. <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I see your dog. I have seen people. It's not like I've not seen people. Um, And I've traveled a couple of times back east since March and spending spending a month each. So I've seen friends back east. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a big network of people here. Um, Mm. I guess the people that I know well would be the people in my cohort, in my school cohort. And we are we are pretty much, we're completely virtual. I think the last time I've seen someone in my cohort in person was October when I rented a movie theater and screened The Craft for like, (laughs) for 10 people. Like that was my, that was my, I feel so much better about Halloween now because I've done something and I've had like people around to do it. Yeah, we could only I could only allow ten people in the theater. They put a huge spread of popcorn and soft uh, drinks and like all of this stuff. It was it was great. You know that is I think one of the things I missed the most from pre pandemic is going to a movie theater, checking out from the world for a minute and diving into whatever world I'm watching yeah. and eating shitty popcorn and drinking beer. Yeah, our theaters are open. Some of them, some of them. There's a handful and I do go to movies because every time I go, it's been like one other person in that entire theater. Now, mind you, I do go at strange times because usually it's like I have a break in like the late afternoon or something, but um, I have been going to the movie theater and I've been going to the museums. Oh. You have to make an appointment here, but you can make an appointment. They allow like a handful of people in and they've been changing exhibitions here. There was a really good, there's a really great exhibition from of, uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, but I believe their name is Senga Mm -hmm. Nanguti, who is a performance and dance person. Um, And they have a really fabulous exhibition on the Deborah Art Museum. And I'm sorry that I mispronounced that name. I'll have to look it up. Hi, friend. It's me. 
dropping into the sponsorship slot to let you know that I Miss You has a Patreon subscriber page and I would love your support. I'm keeping it simple. There's a monthly subscriber choice of $5 and $10. For both, you'll have access to a patrons-only Facebook group for connecting with myself, fans of the show, and maybe a guest or two. Also, occasional drops of bonus content. For $10, I'm adding this super sweet pink and white enamel pin that says, Hi friend. Wear it to the grocery store, to the gym, to your COVID vaccination, or anywhere else where cool kids are wearing pins these days. Who knows? Maybe you'll meet a new friend. Your Patreon coin goes to support the upkeep of the show, which includes studio rental, gas to get to the studio, website and recording platform fees, dog treats... If committing to a monthly fee seems a little out of reach at the moment and you'd still like to support the show, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal at our website, imissyoupodcast.com. Now, back to the convo. Yeah, the, I don't think the museums here, to my knowledge, I don't think they're open. And there might be some movie theaters in the area open. I, I imagine maybe outside of the district, you would find more. I know the movie theaters that I usually frequent are not open. I like to go... But also, I typically go to like the smaller movie houses anyways, like East Street or or mm-hmm. the Angelica pop-up. So, Yeah, we have one of our landmarks open okay. here right now. Um, yeah. But it's also, you know, it's not like all these new releases are coming out. I mean, they're nope. like little indie films. I just saw Nomadland in the, in the theater, though. But it was, I believe, released on Hulu the same day it came out in the theater here. I was like, I'll go to the theater. I want some popcorn. I want to sit in a big movie theater. Oh, I heard that was good. Honey. Honey. <laughs> I, I cried so much during that movie. Mm-hmm. It was so effective. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, it was just... It was getting like every little thing. Like I was just getting a lot of sense memory about certain things mm-hmm. around like grandparents. I was like just, just the whole feeling of the film. Like, uh, yeah, it was really working a lot of things. <laughs> I need to watch that. I, you know, it's, one of the things that yeah, has good. developed in our lives as a kind of necessary pattern. We have a little fire pit outside of our apartment building. Our apartment buildings, I don't know if you remember, it's it's rather small. It's just four units. It's not a yeah, yeah. There Is aren't it in the many back? people that live in the building. We have a little side yard oh. in between our like building a side and ponytail. The, the business next to us. What's that? <laughs> like a sideways ponytail yard. Exactly. You know, you just like <laughs> pop that pony side and then there's this little fireplace. Um so we've been doing quite a few fire nights where we'll invite like Friends that we we have a very small group of friends that we've seen at different touch points throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we try not to spend too much time indoors, so we bring we invite we invite like you know four or five people over. We all bring chairs, we have some booze, we light a fire, and we just sit mm-hmm. outside. And and so we we had one earlier this week when the weather was nice here, and yeah, lots of folks had seen Nomadland, and we're really talking mm. it up. Yeah. Yeah, I need to check it out. I'm going to take a note. Yeah, and it's even when you... I didn't know much about it, but when I saw it, I'm like, part of this is documentary, I think. There's mm-hmm. that feeling that these people in, in it are, are not actors. 
And then when I read about it afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Just the process of what they're trying to do, this like cinema verite, I don't know if it's called cinema verite, but there's also like very much, um, these people are real people, but they're, they're fictitionalizing parts of their narrative mm. because if that weren't the case oh my god i would i would have a nervous breakdown again like it's just <laughs> there's a lot of things happening in this and there's such like these gorgeous moments and just these people just like wanting this level of freedom and roaming and wanderlust and you know, mm. it's just it's really gorgeous i'm like getting teary just thinking about it mm. i may have to watch it again soon Where's the first place that you're going to go when all the travel bans are lifted and all the quarantine is closed? And Right. Well, I'm currently planning to be in the UK this summer. Um, I'm hoping that that happens. And I'm planning to be there in June. Um. And I'm going to have a little wanderlust thing and probably go up. I follow Hidden Scotland on Instagram and honey, she is sending me. <laughs> and I'm, I really want to go up to Scotland. I mean, it's just, it, I've never been up to, I've never gone that far. I mean, the farthest I've been is shit, Manchester. <laughs> I've never been up that far. No, I've done, I've done the coast I've done. From Plymouth to Dungeness, you know, and then up, but I haven't been like I haven't been up to Scotland, um, so I'm gonna try to do that, and I think I'm gonna stay there for like a month, if if all goes well. Oh yeah, oh you just pulled up the hit in Scotland. I sure did, and Instagram. I just followed because this is gorgeous. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's pretty magical. <sighs> Yeah, that's just some of uh oh my god. Watch it be like a really great photographer and you get there and be like, bitch, this McDonald's hamburger does not look like the same as it does in the picture. <laughs> oh my gosh. This, oh my god. Imagine if that was my review of Scotland. Scotland <laughs> was nothing but a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> How is this even Scotland? Like what? That doesn't uh, I think, wait, I think there've been, oh, well, yeah. It I mean, says it looks northwest, northwest yeah. of Scotland. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, some of the terrain up there looks unearthly, but that, that terrain to me looks a little, doesn't look very England to me, but I don't know. No, you know, you can looks... you can apply a couple of filters to anything and make it look like the Saharan Desert. So, but you know, cool. Yeah. Now I've, I mean, you've probably seen some of the photos that I've taken of the mountains I've been in Colorado, and some of, I mean, up there it looks just. Although I'm in Colorado, so I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but I was going to say it looks, it looks unreal mm -hmm. yeah how is tyler tyler's good um he this year got some funding from the dc commission to so the first time tyler lived here back when we started dating 
he and Reggie Kabiko, who I think you know, yeah, they were hosting pretty regularly this um, queer poetry slam and open mic called Queer Cookies. Mm-hmm. And the premise was, you know, it's like really celebrating LGBTQ poets. And the idea was like, you know, as part of the slam part, whatever poet won that, that slam that night, the next Queer Cookies, they, they would have a dessert inspired by by that poet and that person sold as so it's, it's like a it's a queer open mic and poetry slam and bake sale and mm-hmm. all of the um desserts most of the desserts i should say are uh, that are sold at the bake sale are kind of creations of tyler's they're certainly all made by tyler and whatever desserts mm-hmm. are sold all those proceeds kind of go back to help support queer cookies and pay the the poets involved um so out of that original series lots of really like fantastic desserts came out and tyler built this this really interesting creative muscle of like being able to hear a poem Mm -hmm. and like kind of know a poet and distill all of that down into some sort of essence of them and then and then translate that into some sort of ingredient concoction and make this whole dessert so Mm. um so yeah, so with the funding that he has now, they're making a Queer Cookies cookbook. And so Reggie and Tyler have commissioned, I think, 10 local queer poets to um, write and submit each. They're each submitting one new poem. Mm-hmm. And so in, when, you, when you open up the cookbook, on one side of the page will be the poet and the poem. And on the other side of the page will be a dessert that is inspired by that poet and poem. Um, oh, how cool. Yeah, so he's good. He's been fast at work trying to i think the copy is going to go to print in the next few weeks so that come like april-ish there will be some virtual events Mm with virtual readings and and kind of watching the poet eat their dessert for the first time but this is these are some of the different desserts that oh they look like I was going to say they look like psilocybin mushroom chocolates. <laughs> I'm like, oh, give me some of those. <laughs> right? But no, let's see what's in here. Um, I don't know. There's like a skillet cookie that's got rosemary and brown butter and and I don't know what else. There's a strawberry jam thumbprint that also has right. Szechuan peppercorns. How fans. Yeah, it's they're they're fucking delicious. A molasses cookie that has three different uh-huh. forms of ginger in it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's been an evolution in DC um, in terms of like queerness. Say more about that. What do you mean? Well, I'm you curious. know, well, I always thought that you've always used queer um, in the work that you've been doing. But when I moved to D.C., which was in 2008, 2008, it felt very much like gay men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was a very, um, it felt very cis. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt very centered around whiteness. Mm -hmm. At least that was Mm -hmm. what I was seeing in the bars. And I do remember there being incidents i think Mm -hmm. around um discrimination but it Mm -hmm. felt if i mean it was a 
it's a politico town. So it felt very much like I, it was a lot of khakis. It was a lot of polos. Everyone yeah. worked on the Hill. Someone, everyone was like an assistant to a senator or a congressperson, you know? <laughs> um, but I feel like there's been an evolution and I actually, I've seen it um, even in the bar scene, like the opening of trade. Right. Um, and I believe that's, I mean, it's a testament to um, like the drag that was happening. Jason Barnes and, mm -hmm. um, oh God, what's her name? She's a young queen. Oh, uh, sometimes I get these brain farts. Anyway, she's in that scene. And Aaron Riggett. Sal Salvador Dali? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Riggins. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. That's all I had. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was just, it's interesting. I felt the same when I moved here in 2012. In terms of it being like white cis gay men being at the center of how we thought about the LGBTQ plus community. I intentionally not saying queer in that right now. And it also felt very segregated, both by racial identity and by gender identity. Mm -hmm. And what's, you know, I don't know. It's what's been interesting is, is, like, I also feel that there has been a kind of evolution in terms of the queer community that I see and know. And part of me wonders if that's because of how I've shaped my sense of community here. Or if that speaks to, like, a bigger change in D.C. I don't know. Um, I think some of it has to do with, like, the closing of LGBTQ and queer spaces. Um, you know, we used to have at least a handful of lesbian bars. There are zero in this town now. Um, and even like the spaces where gay men congregate are becoming fewer and fewer. Mm -hmm. And then I also wonder how much, you know, like how much of this shift, how much of what I feel is informed by the pandemic because I'm not going to bars. I can't go to bars. And so right. like the only encounter that I have with the queer community right now is online. And that's through the arts and artists, like people that I know to be still doing work and finding ways to do their work. And it's people that I think are trying to move the, the needle away from mm -hmm. how we understood gay and queer identity 10 years ago to whatever it is now. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's also my perspective is, you know, I is from the spaces that I spent time in. Right. Um, right, right. But that being said, there was a definite, there was a definite difference between when I was um, briefly volunteering at smile, which is the sexual minority mm -hmm. youth assistance league. And I was working with predominantly black trans teens who um, have a familial history or lineage in the in the area of dc and then and then the people i was seeing out in the bars and the clubs which 
weren't born and raised in D.C. You know, they were coming in for jobs, so it was more of a transient feel to it. Um, yeah, so I guess it just it just depends on your like where you where where you're taking up space, right? You know, right, <clears throat> and who you're in community with. Yeah, because I don't. I think I have a few folks I know that work on the hill in some capacity, but it's not very many. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't get a whole lot of that. And, you know, and frankly, those, those people on the hill right now aren't out and about, at least not in my neighborhood and I'm not out and about in their neighborhood. So I don't, I don't know who's on the hill right now. I have a feeling, you know, lots of people because we've been able to work remotely. I know, I know lots of people that were employed in some sort of government capacity and that were younger that don't necessarily own property here, many of those people left town and like moved in with parents or uh -huh. friends or lovers in other places and did their work from there. Well, too, you know, there's a huge, there's always a huge shift when um, a president leaves and right. then a new administration comes in and you see it from being out and about. But, <laughs> but you're not, pro you're probably not seeing that or feeling that as much now because everyone's indoors, everyone's yep. virtual. Because I remember, I remember feeling it when um, it. Well, I was there when Trump came in. I was actually at the inauguration. Well, I was. Oh. I. I mean, not because I was going to support anything, but <laughs> but I opened that exhibition at Flashpoint downtown over. Right. Um, like the day after the inauguration, I was over there that week. So I I walked down to the inauguration, and I actually took took my place with the protesters. But I mm. I did I was I was inauguration adjacent because you know they have it outside. Did you did you take any photos of like the ten people that were attending in support? Because if you have that no. kind of evidence, no, I'm sure it was great to send to my family. No, I realized that I was wearing a red baseball cap. <gasps> so I once realized that I quickly threw it off, and then I avoided everyone, and then I quickly left because I was embarrassed that like people thought I was like in like I was a MAGA, but I was I really was not. Um, but you <laughs> used to be able to feel it. It was the same thing when I got there right before Obama came in, and I remember. I was there for the whole summer before that, and I remember seeing the difference in the gay bars. I'm like, mm -hmm. ooh, fresh liberal meat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh. I mean, what? Do, I mean, our first black president, I'm quite horny. Let's go. <laughs> Goodness. No. Well, the next time you come through, you'll have to let me know. I will. I was going to try to come down um, when I was back east in the summer. And then again, I was going to try over the winter break. And I yeah. just, you know, I went to spend time with my parents and I settled into that really comfortable couch. And I'm like, honey, unless these bitches are within five miles radius, I'm not seeing them. Mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> Understood. And, you know, and again, I think that that's one of the things, too, of the pandemic. It's it's it's. I be, I actually I, I wonder how this has 
been addressed in the curriculum you study, but you know, I, I feel like we're all living at this like heightened, both because of the pandemic and because of like the Trump nonsense, we've been living in this heightened state of of like anxiety and stress and like mm-hmm. fight or flight all the time. Like our 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 sympathetic nervous system is just like on yeah, all the time. Yeah. And that's exhausting. And and so I think we're seeing the the effect of that too, like lots of mental health or calls for mental like for mental health issues to be addressed and also like people just retreating and and not engaging with with even close circles of friends because it's understandably just too much in that moment like we need we need moments of rest and recuperation mm. yeah I mean, saying the person that doesn't do that, saying the person that's like, go, 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 well, go. Well, you know, we never take our own medicine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's correct. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of dysregulated nervous systems out there. I mean, you only have to turn on the news to see that. Um, I only have to walk down the block to see or to imagine what the nervous systems are of the, of the folks, you know, experiencing homelessness in my neighborhood right now. Um, yeah. And then we're, and then we're constantly in this sort of like aggressive orientation with each other where Mm -hmm. we're, where we're, we're facing off. I mean, there's also something to be said about that. I mean, even, even the other day I've, I've started to find that I have problems with my bigger classes where I have to look at like, 18 little screens i can't focus it like really fucks with my eyes and i have to always change zoom to just um speaker view because i can't take like that many moving people like in my one screen i'm like give me a break yeah (laughs) yeah well before we leave i wanted to ask you one thing um Mm -hmm. And that's if you would share something that you were hopeful for or you're looking forward to in 2021. <laughs> um, there's a lot that I would say in response to that. I, I think one of the things that I'm really hopeful for, maybe I'll answer both. I like that. One of the things that I'm hopeful for is... Um, you know, I think going back to the thread of of conversation around rest and recuperation and just the speed of things, I think, I hope that many of us, if not all of us, have had an opportunity to experience something something slightly slower than what life was like before this. Mm-hmm. And so, my hope is that we can find ways collectively to like hold on to that and and create more of that for ourselves because and this is where I'm going to get on my like Gracie Bog soapbox but you know when I think of the way capitalism acts, a, a, asks us to be in the world and this idea of like hyper productivity like also on a quick aside the way that people are talking about like oh we found that people are more productive when they work from home so we're going to leverage that in our like it just it makes me so uncomfortable and so upset because we're we're less concerned about people's health and well-being and more concerned about this idea and this notion of productivity and that's what capitalism does it like takes away our understanding of each other as people and as as like 
a community and actually like replaces that understanding with seeing each other as um, investments, as uh, resources to either, you know, like grow or take. And, and so, and with that, because like the speed just kind of continues to compound in on itself. So, yeah, I think one of the things I hope for is more time for rest, for recuperation, for slowing down. Um, and I'm saying that for myself too. Mm-hmm. And then, and this maybe connects to that, what I'm looking forward to. It's a little bit of both. You know, I'm, I'm I, like one of the things that I, I've realized in this year is like, yes, I'm a person that often schedules a lot of things into my life, both because out of, like, I think out of a need of like excitement and also out of a need, out of a need of like making sure that I'm not in a, in an, a financial position that makes me uncomfortable. And in that like previous life, what I've realized is one of the ways that I used to like slow down, I'd find pockets of slowing down is like when I was traveling, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I loved, I didn't care for like flying itself, but I loved getting on an airplane and knowing like, all right, the door's shut. My cell phone is off. You can't get me, bitch. And like having however long that flight was to really just like read or listen to music or you know like really untap um so i'm 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 looking i'm looking forward to both like being more intentional about like carving out time off for myself i've started to do that a little bit in the next couple months which is really exciting to me Mm -hmm. um and i'm looking forward to that i also scheduled my first massage in over a year Mm -hmm. so i'm like so excited about that um but i'm also looking forward to more travel i've got uh I'm supposed to be going to Maine for three weeks to finish up the semester of a class I'm teaching at Colby College. Mm-hmm. And they've got this like really rigorous COVID testing practice in place. So, you know, the no, the idea is that once I get like I should integrate easily and then I'm like just on campus. Um, so I'm looking forward to that travel. And then I'm also supposed to be going to the Berkshires in August and potentially El Paso in the fall like November. And in each of these instances, like the travel is going to look different depending on what's happening Mm -hmm. nationally with the pandemic. But, but I know that in those moments of travel, there are also times and ways that I like often find, I find ways to disconnect and to like slow down. And so I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to that too, to like having that kind of opportunity to slow down. Cool. Yeah, and the and you know going to El Paso is going to require a flight, so that'll be a nice like four or five hour. Are you not going like, to walk? Oh no, girl, no um, girl. I, well, I would walk it, for that's... lots of things and for lots of. I'd walk to lots of places and I'd walk for lots of things, but El Paso is not necessarily one of them. Mm, yeah, I do like that salsa. I'd walk for that salsa though. That's what I was about to say. That Mexican food though, like I will walk <laughs> any distance for that Mexican food. You just tell me when and where. <laughs> Oof, we're growing. Um, we are expanding our garden this summer. Oh and one yeah. Of the, one of the things that we're going to grow lots of is tomatillos. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I want all the salsas. So give <laughs> me all the tomatoes. Give me the tomatillos. Give me the the jalapenos. Yeah. Mm. So, 
Yeah. Well, this has been lovely, dear. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for talking with me. Thank you. It's nice to see you it's and good chat. seeing you. Yeah. I love your um yellow hoodie. You know, yellow is the color of abundance. So when I you didn't know that when you have yellow around you, it helps to invite invite abundance. I love this hoodie even more now. It's like one of my favorites, but now it's just like mm-hmm. become that much more meaningful for me. So thank you. You're welcome. Alrighty. Well, have a good one. Take care, dear. Bye. Bye. Do you have any questions, feedback, or want to share a story about reconnecting? You can drop me an email at imissyoupodcast at gmail.com. Find and follow the show on Instagram at imissyoupodcast. I Miss You is hosted, edited, and produced by me, with lots of help from the universe. This episode was recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast graphic was designed by Ian Sklarski. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and show some love with lots of stars. It really helps. If you would like to support I Miss You, as well as get additional content and access to our members-only Facebook group, where you can connect and share with other listeners, consider subscribing to Patreon. You can find a link to Patreon in our Instagram bio, or at our website at imissyoupodcast.com. And finally, reach out, connect, and spread the love by telling all of your friends about our show. Till next time, new friend. <laughs>